This morning I'd like to exhort from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, largely because my brother Josh Wieso included this in his uh, announcement for the service. So I thought I should exhort from here. 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 8. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith towards God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything, for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. This is a very powerful statement in that the gospel came to Thessalonica where people were enslaved by the devil for over a thousand years in that area of Greece or Macedonia. And by the grace of God, they were transformed in just a matter of a number of years, two, three, four years, transformed. Amazing to see the power of God working in Thessalonica. But let me tell you a little story. There was once this ministry, you can call it a church if you want to, they ministered to the blind, the deaf, and the lame. Every week they had healing services. Everybody got healed. It was really powerful. They all learned a religious language. They talked about Jesus. The blind talked about how they could see. The deaf talked about how they could hear using sign language. The lame talked about running and dancing and leaping for joy. They came up with new ways of describing problems. Hearing impaired, sight challenged, and leaping for joy. Athletically impaired. Then one day a guy showed up, a guest speaker, and he said, Y'all are blind, deaf, and lame. Stop pretending. Be honest. Humble yourselves and admit it. He mentioned the gospel. He said, I know somebody who can help you with this. They threw him out into the parking lot, but a few of them said, I think he's right. We are blind, deaf, and lame. Who is this Jesus? And the next week, Jesus showed up and healed them. And the blind discovered sight. The deaf discovered hearing and the lame learned how to run. Brothers and sisters, there's a point at which people need to say, We're done lying to ourselves. We're not going to use religious language anymore. There is no power here. There's a point at which we need to use the right language. This week I heard the term sex addictions several times. No, not sex addiction, idolatry. understand, in many cases, 
people have embraced a powerless gospel. And they use terminology like this. Sex addiction. No, no, no. Idolatry. The violation of the first commandment. A fixation on things like self-image. What people think about us is idolatry. This is just plain old-fashioned worshiping idols. That's what it is. A fixation on self-esteem. Self-aggrandizement, body image, boundaries, is idolatry. It's the worship of self. It's a refusal to deny self, to turn the other cheek, to crucify self, and take up the cross and follow Jesus. It's just psychobabble. And, and the sooner we get rid of this language, the better. The spirit of control and anger in the home is idolatry. It's worship of self, self-indulgence with foods and other things without gratefulness. That's just idolatry. Love of the world is hatred of God and more idolatry, worship of money and stuff. The insatiable desire for more, better, and newer is just idolatry. It's just worshiping idols and American idolatries and the relational breakdown that tends it, no different than pagan human sacrifice, fetishism, and idol worship. It's the same miserable, blinded, enslaved, pitiful, horrible condition as idolatries of pagan countries. We, we can't force salvation, friends, on our neighbors or our relatives. We, we, we can't fake resurrections. It's the work of God. So the first thing we need to do is be honest and seek out honest preaching and honest exhortation and honest language and honest counseling and get away from the psychobabble. That's the first thing that's got to happen. And now if there's honesty and humility to say, I'm just an idolater, enslaved to the devil himself, That's the first step to Jesus showing up and releasing us from the bondage of the devil. When a person has been the subject of Jesus' healing power, he will know it. You've been struck by lightning. You will know it. You will say, I have been struck by lightning. You will know that you have been subject to that power. There's no question about it. You won't say, I, I, I may have been struck by lightning. I'm just not sure. That doesn't happen. When you are struck by lightning and when you have been changed by the power of Almighty God, you're going to know it. It will be obvious to you. You won't have to smooth it all over with religious language and pretense anymore. There's a significant difference between being blind And seeing men as trees walking. So, brothers and sisters, let's get rid of these humanist terms, method, and programs. That's just cheesy. Fake healings is cheesy. We don't need that. We don't want it. It will be night and day, night and day, to know the power of God in your life.
We won't need to weaken the message. We don't need to minimize the problem. The power of God is sufficient. And when you hear those words, you will say amen to that. So, whatever you do, don't underestimate the power of God. Anticipate it. Anticipate it. I want you to imagine that person in your life dragged down by the heaviest chains, perhaps unaffected by the word. Maybe they have heard some preaching or some exhortation or counseling, unaffected by it, resistant to it, always kind of pushing against it. And you, you feel that. When you bring it up, they're, they're pushing against They're ignoring it. They're not affected by it. And, and that's bothersome to you. you, you you're, 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 you're thinking there's nothing going on here. They're dragged down by these chains. They're dead. They're blind. They're stiff-necked. They're arrogant. They've not been humbled. They're hopelessly bitter and angry and they love the world and they hate the church. They're miserable and they're joyless and they're enslaved by Satan under the spirit of condemnation. And you think to yourself, running and leaping and praising God, they're the least likely to ever dance. And yet I want you to imagine those people up here on the stage dancing for that Jesus has set the captives free. They are a new man or a new woman in Jesus and they are alive and they know their sins are forgiven and they're not under the burden of condemnation anymore. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine it? The power of God affecting your friend or your relative to the glory of God and we will celebrate into the eons of eternity for what God has done in that brother or sister's life. Hallelujah. Can it happen by the power of God? I say yes and amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians 2, 3. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech, my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that's what we're talking about right here, right now. Amen. Oh, Father God in heaven, you are the powerful God of our salvation. You redeem, you resurrect, you give sight to the blind. It's radical. It's powerful. It happens. It really happens. And it can happen today, too. Father, we confess, oh, we need you. We need your forgiveness. We need your cleansing. We need your release from the bondage of idolatries. Father, we confess any idolatry still hanging on to us. We call it what it is. Too much self-confidence, too much self-reliant, too much self-esteem, too much self. We turn away from it this day. We repent. Father, we confess it before you and we say, Our salvation is only in Jesus Christ. And we look to you this day for that salvation and take a moment to confess our own sins.